series that has looked at truths about real spiritual change, what it involves, what it means. We started off week one looking at cost, encounters that Jesus had about following him in Luke 9. And when people asked the followers, said that they would follow, he spoke about the cost. He spoke about the need for real change, real cost of comfort, convenience, the making of tough choices or commitment. All to share the truth that following Jesus does cost, and so does real spiritual change. We look the next week at help, knowing that real spiritual change can only come from God, from his presence in our heart and in our lives, as he worked to see enables us, as we walk with him and he does the work. Tremendous promise that we looked at in Malachi uh, 3, uh, opening the floodgates of heaven and pouring out so much blessing that we wouldn't have room enough for that. If we just trust him, if we walk with him and we seek his help. Tremendous promise. Real spiritual change only occurs with God's presence and with his help. We uh, look the next week at anxiety. God recognizes that we have real fears, real worries, real anxiety. He had another incredible promise that he gives in Philippians 4. Again, tied to his presence. That he'll give us joy, he'll give us calmness, he'll give us peace, a peace of past understanding. Do we just simply seek to walk with him and again be in his presence? What that means in terms of, of change in our hearts and in our lives as we trust somebody and walk with him and see the anxiety and the fears pushed away by his presence and the fullness of who he is in our hearts and in our lives. We look then at truth out of Matthew 9, truth about new wineskins, recognizing that real spiritual change brings new opportunities as we're stretched, as we grow, as we seek God. New opportunities that he brings, kingdom opportunities, and a new harvest, new wine, as we simply follow him and seek to engage who he is in our hearts and in our lives and in the lost and the hurting world. Tremendous. Then last week we looked at the reality of real spiritual change and that it requires goals and visions. We looked at the teaching on prayer out of Luke 11, about asking, about seeking, about not. Recognizing that as we grow and as we change and as we're transformed by his presence, and that's exactly what it is that God wants us to do. He wants us to ask, to seek, to not. And he promises to be with us and to help us in all of those things. Tremendous, tremendous reality. And that we do that with boldness and we do that with perseverance in terms of praying and seeking and asking that, that God rewards that. And he brings that which we stand in need of. Today we're going to end this series by looking at truth out of Luke 17. The real spiritual change comes when we engage the great Lord our God. I want to invite you to open up God's word and open up your hearts as well. Truth from Luke 17 verses 11 to 19. An encounter that Jesus has with ten in need of healing. 
Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he's going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found returning and praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God when we were in our hearts and within our lives. And I want to just do kind of like a highlight reel of this passage to get to the incredible truth that comes out of verse 19. So you can read this passage um, and see all of the different things that happened. You can't see it too well on the screen, apparently, but you can uh, see it in his word. In verse 14, what happens? Jesus is traveling along between the um, border of Samaria and Galilee, and he enters into a village. So he's traveling, he's going somewhere, he enters into a village, and there on the outskirts of the village are ten lepers, and they call out to Jesus seeking his compassion. I want you to think about that for just a minute. There's a reason they're on the outskirts of the village, but that's the only place they were permitted to be. They were outcast. They were banished. They were in isolation because of their uncleanliness. uncleanliness. They weren't allowed to enter into the village. And I want you to think about what that uh, life um, was like about how it is that they felt, what it is that they experienced as they watched people going in and out, never being allowed. And in fact, if they did, if they approached somebody and they got too close, there was punishment for that, punishment by death. And so they kept their distance. That's why they even cry out. That they see Jesus coming. I wondered about that. How did they know it was Jesus? Maybe they had been told. Maybe they had seen it before. Whatever the case, they know that it's Jesus that's walking into the village. And they recognize this is an opportunity. So they cry out, and they cry out, and they plead, and they beg for mercy. And they get it. Verse 15. Excuse me, verse 14. He says, go, show yourself to the priests, and as they went, they were cleansed. You see what happens there? This is just an incredible truth as well. With a word, Jesus heals all ten. With a word. Yeah, I don't know what they expected as they cried out um, seeking mercy and they cried out seeking compassion. Maybe for Jesus to go over at different times he did. He went over and he touched and he healed and he did different things. This time he just says go. Go and be cleansed. Go to the priest and show him. And you notice in that passage what happens as they went. It didn't happen when they got to the priest. It happened before that. That's all Jesus needed to do was to say the word. And they were cleansed and they were healed. 
I do want you to, to note this as well. So when Jesus says, go and be cleansed, what do they do? They go. We don't read that any one of them raised questions or a fuss. That they sat there and debated it. They all went. Engaging encountering God and experiencing real spiritual transformation and change begins with obedience. That's what he asked. He gave them the command to go, and they went. And because of that, all ten of them were healed. And then we read this, only one comes back. Just one. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then these words he used Samaritan. Ten healed, one comes back. Why do you think that happened? Have you ever read this passage or wondered about that? Or maybe you should read it now. Why that would be true? I don't know. I thought about it a lot as I read this passage and as I prepared. Why only one came back? So all ten were healed, only one comes back. And I thought about that. You know, I don't know. And there's maybe a clue there given with the last few words that he was a Samaritan, so a foreigner. I wondered maybe, maybe the reason he came back is because he didn't expect it. That maybe because he wasn't a Jew, this wasn't going to apply to him, or he wasn't going to be able to get God's grace in that moment. And then conversely, I wondered about the other nine. Maybe because they were Jews, they thought, well, this should happen for us. After all, we're Jews, we're God's chosen. I don't know, I don't know what's going on in their head and their hearts. All I know is that one came back, just one. And gave a visible demonstration, humbly and with gratitude about God's healing grace, about changing their lives forever, only one. Boy, there's really something in that, isn't there, for you and me as we live our lives in terms of humility and gratitude and what that means, what that looks like, I should say. Really, really profound. The fact that only one comes back raises a lot of questions, and it did for Jesus. I picture him in this moment, one coming back, and he was filled with joy at that. And you have to understand that he didn't heal all of them, didn't say all of them go with any kind of prerequisites. He, he, he didn't say, you know, you'll be healed if you come back. No, he said, go and be healed. He gave that gift to everybody. He offered it to everybody, just like his grace, always. In the hope, in the hope, that some would be grateful in the hope that some would believe and see what was true about the moment. And I'm sure he's filled with joy at the one who comes back, but see what he says about the other nine? He asked the question, verse 17, weren't ten cleansed? Where's the other nine? Where are they? How come they're not here? Was 
but he's also got some sadness and is disheartened a little bit because of the other nine. His hope was that all of them would see the gift of grace that they were given, that all would return, but only one does. A disheartening and an unfortunate moment. Then only one comes back and gives praise to God. Because they were all given. Is this not true? Life changing gift. You'd know that if you were a flapper. I guess we all know, right? We receive God's grace. Powerful, powerful moment in their lives. They could not go in and be with their loved ones. They could see them. They could celebrate. They could rejoice. They were no longer outcast. But Jesus takes the one and he shares a powerful truth. He says this in verse 19. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There's the challenge. There's where I hope that we really think about truth. See, real spiritual change comes from being engaged with God. That's a challenge for us. Again, all ten. And if you look at the word that's used here, it says cleansed. And if you get into the Greek, the, the word means just that. That they were healed physically. But then you get into verse 19 and you see the word, their faith has made you well. There's a different word there. It's sesoska in the Greek. And what that means is this, that he was healed forever. Forever. Because he acknowledged and believed that Jesus was the Christ. He acknowledged and believed that his healing came from God. He humbled himself, praised God, threw himself at his feet. Visible demonstration of what was inside his seat. Nine were healed skin deep, and one was healed from the inside out. And that's what God desires, our wolves. He hopes, he hopes that all of us, when we look at grace, when we get that gift of God's love, full of grace, full of truth, that we receive it. And we understand the gift that it is. And we realize that it's an incredible change. It's a forever change. And one that we could never, ever put a price tag on. And when we experience the blessings of grace through this life, when God is what we're experiencing right now, Celebrating the partnership with people half the world away, having them here, expressing uh, their humbly, their gratitude. What an incredible thing. Thank you so much again. And how do we do that day in and day out? To the great Lord our God for the gift of grace that changes forever. And by the way, if you're wondering what that's like, if you haven't asked Christ into your heart, I'd love to have a conversation with you. It's a life changer forever, forever. 
God offers. That's what Jesus Christ offers each one of us. And it starts with engagement. This is open your heart. Open your heart. And he says in the Great Commission, go. And so we go and we do things and we enter into partnerships and privileges. <coughs> and that's the challenge. Real change creates real engagement. You would flip that around. Real engagement creates real change. You're stretched and you grow. And you experience the presence of God as you do. You remember the second part of our um, mission statement? The first is winning people to Christ. What's the second? Equipping them to serve. And I know that if you have availed yourself of that opportunity, if you have engaged yourself in the presence of God to use your gifts, you've experienced his presence. And you've experienced his blessings in real and powerful ways. We celebrated again some of that already. But I want you to think about what that means. Every time, when I watch those videos, I went back to Guatemala, all the mission trips that I went there, and the tremendous privileges and opportunities and so many other things. And how God stretched me and grew me in all of those. And how I just was humbled by being able to be a part of it. And that, that's the beauty of it. God doesn't need us to do anything. But he gives us the privilege of being a part, of seeing lives change forever. Needs met. Water springing out of the ground, splashing on people and being amazed at a loving God who will do this for them. And the partnerships, and the, on and on it goes. You understand what I'm sharing. And when it happens, when you allow yourself, when you let go, of who you are and you let God go, incredible things happen. When you allow yourself to be engaged by the spirit of the living God, Just simply want to follow and be filled with his spirit to do his work 
and to do his will. But you do it all the more when you get engaged, when you experience a real living God in your heart and in your life, and the things that he does, and the way that he changes you. And you begin to discover who you really created and redeemed, gifted, and called to be. As individual followers of Jesus, and as a body of Christ. Real spiritual change. I hope you begin to discover more and more. I know you have already what that looks like in your heart and in your life. That's the call. That's the desire. That's the mission. Pray with you. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for the privilege of being partners in the gospel. For those that we celebrate today from Tanzania, from others um, half a world away, Lord, right out on the back door. Thank you for the privilege. We ask, oh Lord, that we would seek to become all the more engaged. Lord, we want encounters with you, God, moments that we would celebrate for all of eternity that would change the landscape of heaven. What a privilege. We praise you, we fall at your feet. We celebrate those opportunities.